Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey everyone, what's up? It's another episode of the podcast 15 to Life, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. Today, we're taking it back behind the walls. Yeah, we're going to be talking about some of this prison stuff. And um, one thing a lot of people ask me when they kind of hear about some of the stuff I've been through and I had uh, while I was incarcerated... Um, They really want to know about all these, you know, cell phones and DVD players and all this high-tech gadgetry that uh, I was getting in there. And mind you, I've been home 11 years now, so um, I'm sure there's a lot more uh, stuff. And when I say stuff, I mean, you know, Blackberries and stuff was the cool stuff. You know, that was like the top of the line. iPhones had just come out. People didn't really want to mess with them because it was really new technology. And, you know, if you get a phone in prison or jail or wherever the hell you're at, you you won't be able to use it. I'm sure now people got iPhones and Galaxies and all that other junk in there. But, you know, like probably the most high-tech phone I ever got in was a a BlackBerry. And um, everything else was uh, no smartphones necessarily, just phones with cameras and recording capabilities and all that fun junk um and i do have some videos from in prison but they were always short there wasn't any of that live streaming and stuff where you know someone else could record it or save it for you later and all that good junk so anyway um the big question right all you cdcr guys listening you want to hear the lowdown on it i'm gonna give it to you i'm gonna give it to you today I'm i'm gonna put you guys up on some game like how, how did Tito get all those cell phones and DVD players and Game Boys and all that other goofy crap I had up in there? How'd he do it? Oh, my God. It's about Pandora's box is about to open. Not really. A little bit. Um, I'm not going to give up every bit of game. And I'm not going to um, necessarily put my connections out there. Um whether they still work for the the system or not, um, hell, it just ain't right. So anyway, yeah. So how do you how do you get a connection, right? How in the world do you get a connection? Well, I hate to say it, but um, and I'm just gonna do this broad based, and then I'll kind of talk about me a little bit. But like, there's six degrees of separation. You know what I mean? And and so that you you know what I'm talking about, like, you're from Northern California, okay, you end up in a prison in Northern California, um, what are the odds that you maybe know someone who works there? Or maybe you know someone who knows someone who knows someone who works there, right? Like, there are so many uh, crossovers, you know, of people... Um, knowing someone or you know someone someone's cousin who's in there so there's there's that that's like one of the first levels right of the over familiarity stuff that goes on and 
that that's what they call it. Like when you get over familiar with someone to the point where whatever happens, whether it's a romantic relationship, whether it's them bringing you stuff, and it could be something stupid, like they brought you a a pack of steaks from the grocery store, right? Uh, and and it's found out that like for whatever reason they did that for you. More than likely, they're losing their job flat out. They're probably getting brought up on some kind of BS charges on it. And and uh, then you are more than likely going to get transferred to another prison on the basis of over-familiarity. Basically saying you were too close to that individual, we found out. And who knows who else you're close to because of it, right? So, um, yeah, anyway... So that's one of the ways you kind of know someone through someone or, or someone, you know, knows someone and, and they get to talking to them or they got some dirt on them. And, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to let everyone know about what you did last summer. And, oh, man, just bring my boy a cell phone, whatever, you know. And, and then this is what I used to I used to freaking laugh at it. I, I can't laugh. I used to laugh at it. Um, guards would like get on me and be like, man. How in the hell are you getting this stuff in here? And this is ridiculous. And don't you know the safety risks and blah, 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 blah. And they give me this riot act. And I go, man, I'd point right in the office at their big ass lunch bag. Like anyone who, who doesn't know it and you really don't see it in the movies. You don't. They don't show this part of it. Half of these dudes that work inside the prisons... They can't even freaking carry their lunch bags. They're so big. They have the bags on wheels, like the big coolers. And then they say they do, uh, you know, inspections on all this stuff before it comes in. Their inspection consists of they have to physically touch the guards or the staff's ID card to verify it's a real card. It's not some like piece of paper or something. And then sometimes they'll open up their lunch bag. And I'm not joking, everyone. These lunch bags are like freaking suitcases. How they are allowed to bring those lunch bags in, I have no idea. And mind you, I worked as a captain's clerk in the program office for many years. And basically kind of their SOPs, at least back then, was you work an eight-hour shift. So there were three shifts, 24 hours in a day. Three times eight is 24. You do the math. They're basically paid to work straight eight-hour shifts, right? Like no lunch or anything like that, really. So what the hell do you need? Basically something you couldn't even get on the airplane as a carry-on, right? Anyway, I digress. So this this guard, he gives me the riot act, and I'm like, look at your lunch bag, dude. There's no me without you. No way. He starts yell, like, yelling at me in front of everyone in the building, and I think it's freaking hilarious People kind of get mad at me because they're like, why do you uh, even entertain these cops and their their stupid-ass questions? But I'm like, nah, this dude really does. And I, I believe he's a good straight-up-and-down cop, right? But he really is so blinded by that stupid badge on him. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to disrespect that. But correctional officers are sworn-in peace officers. But they never put their life on the line on the streets where people have guns and stuff. I realize they're outnumbered in prison, but the reality is is guards aren't getting killed like they try to make it seem. So anyway, I got much more respect for my police officer brothers and sisters out there that really put their life on the line on a daily basis every time they suit up and boot up. Anyway, back to the story. So this dude is pissed. He's like, nah, 
my brothers and sisters would never bring nothing in. And I'm like, I'm trying to tell you, bro, um, without you guys, there's no me. I said, do you honestly in your right mind believe that me, Tito, would keister a freaking cell phone and visiting and bring it back in? No, it's not that important. None of this stuff is that important. I am not violating myself. Thank you very much. So, you do have a lot of blinded individuals that really just swear up and down like people are throwing it over fences and all this crazy stuff. Not really what's going on. So, anyway, you got your, your you know someone, you hook someone up. You got, you do have some people to bring it in from the outside. Don't get me wrong. But it's not through visiting. So just to, to run you guys down, when you go out to a visit, these are full contact visits, right? You're in prison, so it's full contact. So basically, you get patted down when you go out, right? Because you're already on the prison yard. So they don't want you to take anything out, but it's not so serious. They're going to strip you down and do all that when you go out to your visit. But when you come back, or if you got to go to the bathroom... You're getting stripped, butt booty naked. You're doing the bend over, the squat and cough and all that good stuff. And then you go to the bathroom or you go back to your housing unit. Ain't no one's... Well, don't get me wrong. Could someone stick all that stuff up their butt? Sure. I, personally, with my years of prison experience, have not known anyone to keister a cell phone. I'm sure it's happened, though. Don't get me wrong. Now, how can you get cell phones back from somewhere like visiting well if you go on a family visit which um, i've talked about that a little bit before depending on what level you are one two three four right or minimum custody you might be in a secure unit so you're basically inside the prison behind the wall all that good stuff or if you're on a minimum yard you might be outside outside of the fence and you're in like a little cottage and when you're in those minimum security areas, it's real easy to get stuff because people could literally like throw it in an area that you can get to. And, you know, like um, sometimes you'll hear about someone escaping from San Quinn, but it's called a walk off because they're they're outside. So it's not like they escaped, like they jumped a fence and they swam through the water like Alcatraz or some craziness like that. They literally just walked off, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. But. For those individuals, a little bit easier to just kind of have someone put something somewhere and then they go get it and now they have it. But, for example, the prison I was at, um, they only had a level two, which was still fully behind the gate, behind the fence. You know, you're still high security. But we had minimum custody individuals. Now, those minimum custody individuals could get outside and, like, they drive the... Uh, the, the shuttle bus that brings the visitors from one side of the prison to the other. They do the landscaping outside the prison and cleanups and stuff like that, right? These individuals would hoop or keister or stick up their butt contraband, but it's usually drugs or tobacco, stuff like that. Um, I never heard of someone keistering a, a cell phone to bring it back. Um, then you have some people that work on like maintenance teams and stuff that go through security checkpoints. A lot of times they're not scrutinized as much, especially if they've been around a while, and they can get crap by those security checkpoints at least close enough inside the wall where someone else can kind of quarterback it the rest of the way through. So those are more of the harder ways. Um, and, and, and I'll give up game on, on one, one of the ways 
Um, it wasn't me, so I can't even speak 100% intelligently about it. I, I talked with some people and asked some questions, and we put something together, and pretty elaborate, um, and not an easy thing, and it was like freaking Ocean's Eleven, um, because we had a lot of people involved, which meant I had to break my cardinal rule, and that is no dope, right? I, I never mess with dope in any kind of way. I didn't mind bringing in tobacco because tobacco is legal outside. It just wasn't legal in prison. Cell phones and stuff weren't legal in prison, but it's not like I was using them to do what they say that everyone does, which is call in hits and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm not saying that never happens, but I'll tell you the truth. 99% of the time, that's not what cell phones are being used for. They're being used to watch porn, to communicate with family and friends and and sometimes just stupid stuff take pictures of yourselves and stuff so the reality is people aren't doing big time gang stuff some are but most people aren't anyway so this whole elaborate plan so where i was locked up um they had a, a laundry service and some of the laundry they they did wasn't just inmates it was for hospitals and stuff like that so when i was talking to this guy who worked in the laundry who'd been around forever. He's out of prison now, so I feel kind of safe talking about this now. But it was a couple of these guys that had been around forever, lifers, that they worked in the laundry. And they had it so good, they kind of got in and out of checkpoints without getting the, the searches and everything, right? Because they've been around forever, they just do their job. So I, I was like, I was always big on when I try and get something in, I want to pay $0 for it. Matter of fact, if anything... I'll make a little money, but for the most part, all I want is whatever I want free, and I'll get everyone else stuff in. So usually I'd have a guard that would bring my stuff or some other kind of staff member, and I'd pay them, and they bring it in. This one, we were trying to do 100%, no, no outside help except someone actually getting the stuff to a location, and then we do it from there. So I did a test run, and we basically had someone put um, it was something like tobacco, something that had some value so it wouldn't be a totally worthless run, but it wasn't what we wanted. And we basically marked one of these laundry bins at the hospital where the stuff comes from, had the guy go hide the stuff in this laundry cart. Then when the laundry cart showed up, because they know what days they pick up and drop off, these laundry guys pull it, and now they got a whole bunch of tobacco. So they come back from work, they're like, Hey, green light, everything went through, cool. And I'm like, all right, now it's time for the real deal. The problem was the people I found to financially back all this, some paisas, uh, a.k.a. Mexican nationals, they wanted their chiva, they wanted some heroin. And I didn't want to have nothing to do with that. So I talked with the race that I had bringing the stuff in. And I said, look, this, they want this, man. I don't mess with that stuff. So you tell me, I'll go find another financial backer. And they're like, look. We'll bring it in. We want some weed. And I'm like, oh my God, now two kinds of drugs? Now, mind you, I'm not touching any of this stuff. So at this point, I'm kind of like, I'm willing to do it because it never touches my hands. I'm only going to get the cell phones and stuff I want. So I'm like, screw it. So we ended up doing nine cell phones with a bunch of, uh, we always got the little earbuds, kind of like, you know, the little one earpiece back in the day with a little mic in it. 
So I got a bunch of extra ones because those, when they break, it's hard to fix them in prison. Nine cell phones with chargers, um, an ounce of weed, and like a couple of uh, a couple of ounces of heroin, black tar heroin. So everything goes in motion. I I have a cell phone already, so I'm kind of working it, letting these guys use my phone to call around, make all their drops. They get everything. We got to wait a week. The stuff shows up. They're like, it's there, but now they're kind of scared because, man, they, they get caught with this. That's a hell of a, a, a catch, right? So they're trying to make sure everything works. And, and I'll never forget, I'm going to the shower one day, and the dude comes back from work, and, and he just looks at me and smiles and nods his head. And so I'm like, oh, there we go. So I finish my shower, go back to the dorm. And boom, he's like, you ready? And I'm like, yeah. And he pulls the blanket back. All I see is two piles of dope and a whole bunch of cell phones. So I'm like, cool. Hey, and I tell two of of my homies, hey, standpoint, no one gets up in here. No one's allowed in here. They're like, all right. I go up. I get the paisas. I'm like, hey, come get your shit. They come downstairs. They get their stuff. I give the other dudes their, their weed, pass out the cell phones. Go around, do my final check. You good? You good? You good? You good? Everyone good? I got my stuff free. Two phones for free. So that's one of the ways. Now, mind you, that's intricate. Like we had to sell some of the phones and then the money we gave to the dudes on the outside for doing what they did. Then I got these dudes that got dope in. Guaranteed they're sending money out to the people that actually... uh, hooked up the dope and when i say hooked it up you got to realize it's not like they put it in a ziploc bag and just throw it in no nah, they're like uh uh you know the vacuum sealed bags and as small as they can get it so yeah it's just crazy needs to say everyone's happy everyone got their phones are dope and everything is done so i'm gonna tell you about one other one because i got a bunch of them but this other one was one of the best hookups i had but it was also like crazy so there was a cop, a guard. You know those 18 packs of sodas like you'll get at Walmart and all those other grocery stores and stuff where it's like three six packs in a big long rectangular box and it's got the little carrying handles you can carry it around. So I had this one cop for 1500 bucks cash, $1,500. I could fill up a six pack worth of whatever I wanted. It could be dope, which that much dope you make a million dollars in prison like literally you'll make a million bucks so everyone wanted me to bring dope in i I just wouldn't do it i'm like man get your own hookup like i'm not willing to do that that that's not my thing so once again 1500 bucks man i could get a good depending on the phones like back then there were those razor phones the flip phones real small and you could really stack them up tight I could get a good 15 phones with chargers and earpieces in in that. And mind you, each each of those phones I could sell easily 750 bucks each, 850 bucks each. So you do the math. You know, after the cost going to Metro or Boost and buying the phone for even 200 bucks, I'm selling them for let's just say 800. I'm making 5 to 600 bucks a pop, 500 times 10. That's five grand. Pays easily pays for it. So once again, 
these, these were simple ways. And you might go, well, how the hell did you get it? The cop would bring it in like it's for lunch, like he's going to put it in his office. As soon as he gets to the office, he takes the real sodas out, dumps everything else in the trash, and it's just like, hey, G, my last name's Garrell. Hey, dump my trash. Yeah, I got you, boss. Yeah, I'm dumping that trash up in my bunk. <laughs> I would come get all that. You know what I mean? So, needless to say, and, and those are two ways, man. I got a few other ones that, that, that'll sound a trip, but it's all real stuff. I, I'm not making this up. This, this is what I did while I was in there. Um, I, I'm good with talking my way in and out of trouble. <laughs> um, but I never wanted to do that. But once I realized like how much stress it was on my family like if visiting wasn't going to happen i was like man if i if there was a way i could get out the cell and get on the phone so my parents don't waste a trip if i could say happy birthday and send pictures and stuff or even videos like how nice would that be so i found a way to get what i wanted and then i had game boys entertain myself i had dvd players and i would get movies brought in I, I even had some cops that weren't on that kind of level with me, but they'd be like, oh, man, have you heard this song? Have you heard that song? I'm like, no, man, why don't you bring me a CD? Oh, man, no, you know, you get in trouble if you have that. And then I'll show them, like, 50 burnt CDs. I'm like, man, I got plenty of them, man. Ain't no don't write on it so they don't see your handwriting. Next thing I know, at, at 10 o'clock at night, shh, I hear a little slide under the door, and there's three burnt cds with a bunch of music on. i'm like oh all right bro i'll let you later man good looking out you know i remember one time we had ants in our cell johnny boy if you're listening i know you're gonna remember this and and the cop was telling me oh man i had ants at my house and i went to chinatown and they got this little chalk and wherever you put that chalk they won't cross the line i was like man can i get some next night boom slice me the little chalk put it all around the door all around the windows didn't have any more ants you know so some of the stuff is little stuff and, you know, is it that big a deal? No, I really don't think so. Is it breaking the rules? Of course. But I was also doing way bigger and worse things. And and um, the reality is none of it was ever around hurting anyone or putting anyone's life in jeopardy or risking anything with anyone in the community. So uh, I don't want anyone to think that way. But anyway, this is my quick podcast on contraband getting in i'll probably do a few more of these but anyway tell me what else you'd like to hear about because i do have stories that don't involve me and involve other people all right talk to y'all later